Khuni, The Crimes of India is a thoroughly researched podcast that uses publicly available documents, reports and books and associated media to provide listeners with a complete picture of the week's case. The following content is often graphic and regularly uncomfortable. Mentions of assault, bodily harm and death may follow. Khuni, The Crimes of India does not condone any actions mentioned in the episode. Minors are advised to exercise caution before proceeding. Thank you. For everyone who knew Raja Thangam, it seemed like he led a content life. Not that many people knew him or his family for that matter. He was a retired history professor and a beloved one at that. He lived with his family in the posh Nandankod area of Trivandrum in Kerala. The professor and his family, though reclusive and did not have many friends, were polite and seemingly close-knit. But that April day, the professor woke up at the crack of dawn went for a walk and came back home. His wife, a retired cardiologist, Dr. Jean Padma, gave him his morning coffee and he picked up the newspaper and delved into the day's news. Like all retirees we know. At 9am, his daughter Caroline announced that she was going to the market to get some groceries. He loved how driven and responsible Caroline was. She was always ready to help at home, always thinking about her career. Caroline never gave the professor trouble, even while growing up. No, the cause of concern for the family was Cadell, his son. The professor loved his son to bits, but Cadell lately had been testing his patience. It's not like Cadell went around causing mischief or anything like that. No, he just never lived up to his potential. He could have done so much more. The professor understood why Cadell left engineering. The professor did not have any problem with that. That's fine. It happens. He was happy when he found out that Cadell wanted to study artificial intelligence in Australia. He supported him throughout that course and yet again, he was disappointed when Cadell decided that AI was not his cup of tea. But the professor was elated when Cadell got a job in an Australian animation company making video games. Cadell told him that he'll be working from India. The professor didn't understand Cadell's interest in video games, but to each his own, he surmised. He was happy that Cadell had finally found his niche. For now, the professor was happy. It was Easter break in Australia and his normally reserved son was interacting more with the family. To add to his happiness, his daughter Caroline also came home from China where she was studying medicine. But he still could not help think about his son, his heir. The difference in Cadell after coming back from Australia was quite glaring. While he had always been a quiet boy who preferred to avoid crowds and talking to people, this time around, Cadell barely left his room. He didn't even seem pleased to see his sister who had specifically come home so they could all be together for Easter. The professor tried to bring this up with his wife, Jean, but she just rubbished his observations. Leave the boy alone, Raja. You know he has to work for that company. When he voiced his concerns about video games and mental health, Because he read some articles on the internet, Jean said, Why do you want to always pick a fight with that boy? He's finally doing something with his life. With God's grace, maybe by next Easter he'll bring home a girl and the Easter after that you and I'll have a grandchild. For now, let's just encourage him and give him his space. But Raja's fears would come true. The couple would never see Kadel bring home a girl, nor would they see a grandchild. The couple would not live to see Easter that year. By Easter, only one occupant of that big house in the posh colony would be alive. 
namaskaram welcome to today's very khuni episode i'm sneha from hyderabad and i hope you all had a very good week and happy thanksgiving to whoever celebrated it i hope you all are very thankful and full of turkey right as you can see it's still me and it looks like it'll still be only me for another few episodes so please tolerate me as we requested you all in our recent instagram ama talking about instagram if you're not following us there already please do we do keep having regular khuni related events there for all the twitter followers who may or may not believe in instagram don't worry we'll have an ama very soon on twitter provided twitter is still there okay i know this is too soon but let us know your thoughts on twitter musk and all things 44 billion dollars is there someone out there like me who believes that musk just bought twitter out of boredom okay i guess that's enough for today's khuni general knowledge session there is just one more small clarification i want to make i know in the last one year a bunch of you have sent us concerned dms asking us where we were trust me we're going through them one by one and we'll try and make sure you all get a reply we love you all equally but keep sending in case suggestions we love to see them before we begin today's khuni episode here's a small announcement regarding the shraddha walker case thank you so much for everyone who sent us the updates on that case we're noting all the updates and trust us when shraddha finally gets justice we will make a follow up episode but since we are a true crime podcast we want our listeners to be updated so here's a short summary of what happened since last week a letter that shraddha wrote to the police in 2020 was found in which it clearly stated that shraddha feared for her life in words that would now seem morbidly prophetic she said that after blackmailed her saying that he'll kill her cut her up into pieces and throw her away another very sad thing that came out in her letter was that aftab's parents apparently knew that he was beating her and that he even tried to kill her the most heartbreaking thing of all in that letter was that shraddha says that aftab's parents gave the couple their blessings the letter clearly says that shraddha did not want to live with him my only question is what were the police doing had they paid any heed to a complaint maybe shraddha would have been alive meanwhile the police also got a court order to conduct a polygraph test on aftab and that was supposed to finish on friday the 25th of november but it was also continuing to monday but as of today it's finished the report will be out soon aftab was questioned by a special team in new delhi but the most heart wrenching update on the shraddha walker case is that her father vikas met the accused and aftab very calmly told him that he murdered shraddha the police by now along with everyone in our country of more than a billion figured out one thing while in court aftab said that he killed her in the heat of the moment and that seems to be on very shaky ground as there has been a mountain of evidence to show otherwise like the police said he took great care to eliminate all traces of murder and like i said in the first episode aftab himself said that he had planned to kill her earlier but refrained because shraddha got emotional so there is more than that meets the eye in this case and hopefully justice will be served and shraddha's family will finally get closure but the last two updates i want to give on this case are not anything to do with the investigation or the parties involved this is about how our country or rather several sections of people in it have been reacting to the case In a bizarre and very twisted incident in Bulandshahar in UP a Hindu man named Vikas Kumar called himself Rashid Khan and uploaded a video wherein get this he said 
he supported Aftab's act of murdering Shraddha. In the video, he said that when someone is enraged, he can cut someone into more than 35 pieces. Thankfully, the police arrested him quickly and turns out the man is a habitual thief. Take a minute and let that sink in. Not only this, I have heard of reels and photos on Instagram where a man stood next to a fridge and said, I promise I'll only use this for storing vegetables. Please, for fuck's sake, stop this. For a second, think of the family's loss. It was also quite shocking to hear reports that men carrying swords attacked the van that was carrying Aftab. The men claimed to be from the Hindu Sena. We do have a justice system and we should try and let it run its course, however frustrating the wait might be. And right, as usual, we'll keep you posted on any other developments in this case and as promised, there will be an episode in the future where we tell you more details about this gruesome crime. Talking about gruesome crimes, today's case is certainly a gruesome one. But it is also a case that raises a lot of questions. Questions about mental health, questions about the occult, and questions about astral projection, and maybe a bit of Satan worship. Intrigued? Today, I will tell you the story of a case that shook Trivandrum way back in April 2017. Sit down in a quiet place or pick up that monstrous, monotonous document you must work on, or just get a cup of coffee or beer or hot chocolate and get ready for this very coony story. It was Palm Sunday 2017. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's the Sunday before Easter where Catholics all over the world celebrate Jesus Christ's triumphant entry into Jerusalem. It marks the first day of the Holy Week. For the Nandankod area in Trivandrum, like most of Trivandrum, it was a festival Sunday and several families were waking up early to go to the markets to get fresh produce for the extravagant dinner that they will no doubt eat later that day. Who doesn't want to finally eat meat after Lent? Anil Kumar begrudgingly woke up at 6am before giving his wife a chance to yell at him and blame him for missing out on the fresh fish in the market. As he brushed his teeth, he could not fathom why his wife would want him to go to the market. It's not like they didn't have a driver and a cook. Did he not make enough money as a contractor? Oh well, he thought as he took a shower. A happy wife is a happy life. At around 7am, Anil walked out of his house and something about the air around him felt different. Why was the air smelling of smoke? He walked out of his house compound and looked around trying to find the source of the smoke. He first looked left and then looked right and everything seemed okay. He walked a little ahead and craned his head to look at the house directly in front of his. House number 117, the professor's house. Smoke was billowing from that house. Anil quickly picked up his phone and dialed 100, the Indian emergency number which connected him to the nearest police station. Nandankot police station, what happened? Fire, fire, there's a fire in house number 117 in Nandankot. Who are you? asked the bored constable who picked up the call early that morning hoping it was not a prank by some bored teenagers on Palm Sunday. I'm Anil Kumar, contractor. There's a fire in 117. It's barely 600 meters from Cliff House. Please send someone, please. Cliff House? The constable sat up immediately. That is so close to the CM's house. Jobs could be on the line if the fire spreads. And Nandankot itself is full of influential people and he could lose his job. He immediately made sure that the police and the fire department were dispatched to that area. He didn't want to lose his job. Not ever and especially not today. 
he didn't particularly fancy being called names by his wife 30 minutes after anil kumar called the police he heard the telltale sounds of the local fire engine oh finally he thought wiping his brow by now a crowd had gathered and several enterprising young men were trying to climb over the fence into the professor's house their fathers were trying to warn them from going into the house not only because of the fire but also because the entire nandankot area thought the house for the lack of a better word was creepy the house itself looked like it was one of those pulpy hollywood horror type movies houses it was gray and not maintained very well the walls had water stains and the garden was overgrown it was a colony open secret in nandankot bain compound that local teenagers often tried to get into the house on dares much to the professor's chagrin anil hoped that the family was okay if you guys are getting riddle house vibes from harry potter you're probably on the right track along with me but of course anil's worst fears were realized even as he issued a fervent prayer for the occupants of house number 117 he saw that the firefighters were slowly but steadily managing to put out the fires it was now 10 am and most of the spectators who had come to witness the spectacle were slowly leaving the few stragglers who were left behind were probably like you and me dear listeners those who have a healthy curiosity with the morbid at about 11 am the firefighters and the police dragged out the first body it was quite charred but the neighbors thought it could probably be that of caroline the professor's daughter in the following minutes three more bodies were pulled out of the fire while two were charred beyond recognition one was chopped into pieces they were identified as that of the professor his wife jean and their relative lalita jain who was staying with them for the time being the son kadel who everyone knows lived with them was nowhere to be found kadel was quite reserved and slightly mysterious for someone who spent his formative years in the nandankot area he didn't have one friend none of the residents around his age knew him i mean they all heard of him but just as merely as the professor's son as i already told you the family mostly kept to themselves and maintained a low profile one tidbit the local gossip chain knew about the family is that the professor had a farm in pattukani near his native place near mantandam and that he regularly visited and he loved to work on it also sidebar what is this obsession retired people have with organic farms i'm talking about my own family and my friends families i know at least five sets of retired couples doing this in their plots of land do your retired parents have a plot of land that they farm on dm us let us know the other tidbit they knew or rather did not know was the professor's children's academic pursuits while both the children grew up and went to school in nandankot very few in the area knew about what they actually got up to after school time for another sidebar why is this colony's anti network so bad aunties come on on your keep the aunties in my colony knew exactly how many times i posted pictures with boys when i was in scotland or how many trips i took to the highlands or around the uk in my year abroad well maybe partly it's my fault for accepting one of their friend requests on instagram oops okay now we're back to the story like in all residential societies rumors started flying what happened that day where was kadel who killed the family the house was jeans ancestral property was this some kind of a plot to take the house away was this a robbery gone wrong if so what did the thieves steal these were of course all the questions that were on the police's minds when they began to investigate the case 
Everyone they spoke to in the colony had said the same things that I was telling you in the last few minutes. The family were reclusive. They used to be in close contact with Jean's brother Josie. Josie, a bachelor, lived close to the family in an adjacent building. While all these were facts that could help in the investigation, the police had one pressing concern on their minds. Where was Cadell? Their attempts to contact him on his cell phone were futile. The police began to investigate this angle. Adding to this, a firefighter told the police that they saw what could be a tall man with curly hair escape 117 by jumping over the back wall. Could that be Cadell? Was he just escaping the fire? If so, then why was he running away? Why did he not alert the police or the fire department of the fire? Upon close examination of the house, the police found no signs of forced entry. That's when the Trivandrum police zeroed in on Cadell. His status suddenly changed from missing to absconding. The police immediately got into action. All railway stations, bus stops and the Trivandrum airport were put on high alert. And Cadell's picture and other details were shared with the police stationed in major footfall areas of Trivandrum like markets, churches, malls, temples, etc. The next day evening, Contournement Assistant Commissioner K.E. Baiju got a call. Sir, we got Raja. The Trivandrum police got Cadell when he was in the Thampanu railway station. It looked like he'd been trying to come back into Kerala. And we'll talk about this later. When the railway police actually nabbed him, Cadell did not seem surprised. He looked as though he expected it. When he was interrogated, Cadell confessed. His confession shocked the police officers who heard it. Here's what happened according to Cadell. But what was strange about Cadell's confession was that his demeanor throughout the confession was calm. But he also seemed delusional and did not seem remorseful at all. He started his confession by proudly proclaiming that he freed his family members. Bonkers, right? No, it only gets more bonkers. He claimed that he was a Satan worshipper and he indulged in Satan Seva. Yep, you've heard it right, folks. Satan Seva. If no one has heard this word before, well then, I'm glad you heard it first on Khuni. Take a moment so that your beautiful brains can recover from that phrasing. And then I will tell you the story of how Cadell decided to astrally project his family. On 6th April 2017, incidentally two days after I joined my second job, but no one cares about that, Cadell stepped out of his room and went down to meet his mother. Jean was pleasantly surprised. Her husband and daughter were out of station and she wanted to spend more time with her son. She loved her son dearly. She was making dosas and she offered him son. Cadell seemed to be in an unusually good mood that day. Halfway through eating dosas, Cadell suddenly looked up and said, Ma, I made a new video game. Do you want to look at it? Wow, Jean thought. This must be my lucky day. Cadell had spoken more than two words to her. She was even happier that he wanted to share something that he was passionate about. Of course, Cadell, I would love to, she said with a bright smile. While Jean was happy that her normally closed off and sullen son was opening up to her, Cadell had more sinister plans. He had been waiting for this moment for some time. After he finished his dosas and drained his coffee, he motioned to his mother to follow him upstairs. An excited Jean followed her son up the stairs. Inside his room, Cadell asked her to pull up his computer chair and sit in it and face the computer. She sat there and faced the screen and waited for the game to show up. 
While she waited, Gidel pulled out an axe and swung it wildly at his mother's head. Once, twice, ten times. Again and again and again till she died in a pool of her own blood. Once he was satisfied that she was no longer breathing, Gidel dragged her body to his bathroom. But this is just the beginning of his murder spree. A few hours later, his sister and father came back to their house. Sometime between lunch and dinner time, he murdered them pretty much in the same way he took care of his mother. Did he attack his father when he was in his own room reading one of his favourite magazines? Or did they have an argument which led him to murder his own father? Or worse, did one of them discover his mother's remains in his bathroom and threaten to raise an alarm? Or did he have a murderous plan wherein he had a macabre order in which he planned to kill his family? No one knows exactly. But for all the three murders, his M.O. was the same. He hacked them all to death with his axe. The final person left in the house was his 70-year-old aunt who lived with them. She was visually challenged, which made her an easy kill for Cadell. However, very strangely, he killed her after two days after he killed his family. For now, he was the only person living in house number 117. But he had to make his plan foolproof. Once his murders were complete, he called up the family's near relatives and said that his parents and his sister were going on a long trip. A trip that he planned for them because Caroline was here from China and they wanted to spend time together as a family. But unfortunately, Cadell could not go because of work deadlines. He asked them not to call their landline and their cell phones because they might not have any signal there. His uncle Josie said that Cadell told him that his family went to Kanyakumari. Cadell also told the family's domestic helper when she showed up for work the next day not to come to work for three days as his family had gone to Tamil Nadu. Now, he had all the time to dispose of or burn the bodies in the way he liked and at his own pace. The most disturbing bit about all of this was that Cadell continued to live with his family, I mean the dead bodies of his family. For the next couple of days, Cadell ordered food, played video games and lived his life in peace. As there was no one to cook food for him, Cadell did what any of us would have done. He simply swiggied. Like any normal 30-year-old man left to his own devices in a house, he survived on biryani and shawarma. I kid you not, I read this in a Malayalam newspaper, so I'm assuming it's true. Even in those days, Cadell's brain was sharp. In fact, he made it a point to order food for five people so that nothing would look out of place. But if there is one thing that's common to all dead bodies we've covered in Khuni and the ones we didn't, they all start to decompose in a day or two. The April Kerala heat and humidity did not help matters. Cadell's house was drenched in blood. Blood that began to stink. However, he tried to clean the blood, it was still stinking. The decomposed dead bodies began to release a horrible odour. By now, Cadell realised that he could not live in that house. Now was the time for phase two of his plan. In the intervening two days, Cadell made a dummy of his thighs with some straw and cloth and he planned to set fire to the house, burning the bodies and all. He was sure that this plan would successfully con the police into thinking that the whole family perished in the fire that consumed the house. That Palm Sunday morning, he poured petrol around their bodies and set them on fire. 
Kiral probably thought that the bodies would burn slowly, so he would have enough time to escape to Chennai. Well, too bad for him. Anil Kumar woke up bright and early that morning and unknowingly thrashed Kiral's master plan. Thank you, Mrs. Anil Kumar. See, I was not wrong when I said happy wife, happy life. Everyone with wives, please thank them. You owe them one. From then on, it was all downhill for Kiral. The firefighters came sooner than he would have liked. Maybe because it was a posh colony full of influential people. Or maybe because it was Palm Sunday and the roads were empty. The police found the axe, indicating that he didn't even have time to hide his weapons. That's why he was probably the one whom the firefighters thought jumping over the back wall. Of course, they had other priorities and they probably thought that the jumper was someone who came to help the inhabitants of the house. After he jumped the wall, he made his way to the railway station and quickly jumped on a train to Chennai. While the whole of Trivandrum was on alert and there were lookout notices in all major transportation hubs, Kadel was simply on his way to Chennai. But remember how I said that the police were trying to call a cell phone and it kept saying that it was switched off? Well, after a few hours, it was not anymore. They were suddenly able to track his phone. Now, what do you normally expect from a fugitive? I mean, think you guys. Think of all the episodes you've listened on Khuni and all your other favorite true crime podcasts. Fugitives normally run away from the crime scene. However, in this case, our Mr. Cadell was running towards the crime scene. The Trivandrum police were flabbergasted. What are you doing, Cadell, my dude? But they quickly arranged a nice pickup party for him. When he finally reached the railway station, the railway police force were ready and waiting for him. Once he finished his confession in the police station that day, or rather the part of the confession where he told the police the events of the day, the police asked him the most obvious question. Why did you murder your parents? And this is where things get weird. In a calm, almost eerie voice, Cadell looked straight into the interrogating officer's eyes and said, astral projection. If, like me, your first thought went to Dr. Strange, then yes, you are correct. If you are not like me and have no clue what on earth this actually is, astral projection is basically an out-of-the-body experience where the astral body can be separated from the physical body. Of course, this automatically means that there is the presence of an astral body and there is a real body, then there is an astral plane in which you go to and yada yada yada. It's exactly like in the Doctor Strange movies or comics where the Marvel hero could basically do other things while he was projected out of his body. If you're interested, watch the movie. But if you're more interested and want to see the real-life applications, there are literally thousands of very serious-sounding videos on YouTube offering training on how to project out of your body. I swear, you can check them out. There are videos for every level. There is one which is literally called how to astral project safely in 90 seconds. Basically, they all deal about yoga and meditation, okay? So, don't worry, it's nothing sinister. Also, if any of y'all actually manages to do it, come say hi. Also, for fuck's sake, do not murder your family. We at Kuni do not condone murder or any other crime. Sometimes, I can't believe I host a podcast, you know, where I have to regularly remind people that murder is bad and harmful not only to themselves, but also others around them. Yeah. Now, back to the story. 
Cadell told the police that he believed that this would bring good luck to the members of his family and make them successful in death. He also said that he was a Satan worshipper. He said Satan will help solve his family's problems and make him closer to his family. When the police asked him why he was going back to the crime scene, he said that it's because he expected the souls of his family to have returned by then. He believed that he would find them happy but dead because he liberated them from the tyranny of living in their own physical bodies. After listening to him, the police were not convinced about his confession. They found out that Cadell had been an underperformer throughout his life and he had very low social interaction. Some of his classmates from 9th class in his school in Christnagar said that he was shifted from ICSE to state syllabus because he was consistently underperforming. Now, for those who don't know, and I'm sure there are like a very few of you, these two are different high school education systems in all schools in India must be associated with one of the higher education boards. And basically what is widely believed is that ICSE is generally harder than rest of the boards. That's it. We are not going to start the ICSE versus CBSE versus state board debate here. No. So Cadell's classmates told different media houses that Cadell used to be beaten for not answering questions in class. They also remember that he used to have very expensive gadgets. Okay. So basically Cadell was interested in computers and electronics from a very young age. And secondly, his classmates were definitely interested in their 15 minutes of fame. Now, there are several psychiatrists who studied this case and Cadell and his relationship with his family. They suspect him to be a schizotypal schizoid who ended up being schizophrenic. So they say that in spite of having a normal IQ, Cadell could not excel in academics because of his wandering thoughts. So apparently a schizotypical person generally has eccentric thoughts and cannot control how they think. And apparently they will be happy with little social interaction. Now Cadell fits into all of this criteria. So one more thing I want to say is I'm not a trained psychologist, but I've just done a little bit of research into this. So don't take me and what I say on face value. You can conduct your own uh, research on this. Cadell's belief on astral projection experiments uh, also kind of go well with this type of a personality because they apparently have the affinity to believe in magical powers. So from what we understand, Cadell's family was very religious and they barely used to interact with each other. It is quite possible that someone else in the family had the same condition, but they were never diagnosed. And unfortunately, this is a genetic predisposition and now we can never know. So another thing that the experts have said is that even outsiders or friends or family will not be able to find out that a person has this affliction or this condition because they are very peaceful. Now, according to the National Library of Medicine, such youths might not even exhibit a mature or rash behavior and will be termed as peaceful. They might not even pursue a person of the opposite sex. Cadell kept telling the police that he was an advanced practitioner of astral projection. He claimed that his dummy, which was kept for him to attract souls into its body, would have done its job by now. And all of this was done to make him more powerful. Now, it's because of claims like this that the police had Cadell interrogated in the presence of a senior psychiatrist. It almost seemed like Cadell could not differentiate between what is real and what is not. 
To the police, it seemed like he was living in a video game of his own creation. After multiple interrogations, Cadell confessed that he had planned these murders for a while. He had purchased an axe from Flipkart so that he could cut the bodies into pieces. Oh, Flipkart, catering to everyone from moms to murderers since 2007. India thanks you. He also said that he purchased petrol from a pump at Pattom. Now, K.E. Baiju, the assistant commissioner, said that all of Cadell's claims were rubbish. Finally, after a few days, Cadell changed his reason for murders. He said that he killed his family to avenge his neglect. He said that his family did not care for him as much as they did for Caroline. He harbored a deep-rooted resentment towards his sister and his father. Now, in September 2017, a team of private psychiatrists examined him and said that he really was unfit for trial. They said that he was in psychosis from his very early age and this condition aggravated because his parents did not realize it. He was shifted to the Government Mental Health Research Center at Ulampara after he acted very violently and threatened other under trials. In 2018, Raja was brought to the Trivandrum Medical College Hospital because he exhibited signs of an epileptic seizure. The prison warden found him in a barely conscious state and in fact they had to put him on ventilator. Now it's been 5 years since the incident occurred and there has been very less press on any other developments in this case. All we know is that the charge sheet in this case was submitted and a medical board was yet to be established almost 3 years after the incident occurred a medical board in cases like this has to be constituted by the court to examine the accused's mental health now in the latest news i found and this was in 2022 uh, his bail was rejected in 2020 because no one came forward to pay the bond money and by the looks of it this case seems to be one of those millions of sensational cases that slowly slipped into internet anonymity. Cadell's lawyer had asked the court permission so that his client could be examined by a private hospital to prove that he was unfit for trial. This is because the doctor who treated him at the medical health center submitted a report to the court saying that Cadell was fit to face trial. I did not find any sources that said that the trial had begun, but I'm pretty sure it has. because most courts all over india have resumed after the pandemic and are functioning in full flow but from what i can understand the prosecution has around 90 witnesses mostly neighbors and relatives and they will base their case on proving that kedel deliberately and plannedly murdered his family as revenge for the neglect that he faced the defense case rests on proving that kedel is unfit for trial and getting the case thrown out of court While this case clearly shocked the conscience of Kerala, unfortunately this was not the first time something like this happened in Kerala. And Kerala for all intents and purposes is known to be a progressive state, but there have been several instances of murder seemingly caused as a result of occult practices. From the 2018 murder in Kerala's Idukki district where a man killed his guru, an astrologer who was also a black magic practitioner, and that man's wife and his two children to use up his guru's supernatural powers and the bodies were found buried in their own backyard to the latest human sacrifice killing in 2022 in the Elanthu district where two women were brutally murdered as a result of black magic these seem to be a lot of such cases in kerala 
Now, Kerala ha- also has a draft bill to curb such evil and inhuman practices. The bill now has renewed interest thanks to the Ilanthur case and it can only be hoped that passing this bill will help stop such instances in the future. Another very important question that arises in the Kadel Raja case is that could it have been prevented? Both of Kadel's parents were highly educated and maybe they could have realized that their son who was brilliant at everything else was underperforming consistently in academia and was slowly becoming a social recluse. Or were they stopped by social stigma? I mean, you should realize that Kadel grew up in the 1990s where mental health was not talked about as much as we talk about mental health now. Or did they realize that something was wrong but they were too late? These are questions we can never answer but can only hope that by addressing such issues we can get over the taboo that is talking mental health in our country. As I said, things have gotten way better and we owe it all to Gen Z. Thank you so much. And that, everyone, is the story of Kadel Jensen Raja. If we find any updates, we will definitely bring them to you. Since we have come to the end of the episode, you know what I'm going to say. Please click or follow or subscribe wherever you listen to us. Write a review if you can and we'll share every review you'll write for us, both the good ones and the bad ones. You can also now rate us on Spotify and answer our what do you think of this episode question so we know where all your heads are. You can also buy our merch or buy us a biryani and we promise you we'll make good use of the money to improve our research and quality of the podcast. You will find the links in our show notes. Khuni is proud to be independent and we are still very proud to say that we are a homegrown podcast and everything that happens in our podcast just happens by the fly. But thank you so much for all the love. Again, I love you all so much. Have a very Khuni rest of the week and I'll see you very soon. Bye!